You are listening to the Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beej, the advancing journeyman developer. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. Hey, Uncle Beach, tell us a story. Once upon a time, there were three developers sitting around a table. One of them looks at the other and says, Hey, Uncle Beach, tell us a story. So Uncle Beach sits a little straighter and begins, Once upon a time, there were three developers sitting around a table. One of them looks at the other and says, Hey, Uncle Beach, tell us a story. We're beginning the new year focused on our theme for the year, building your story. In this episode, we talk about writing your story. We'll start by discussing the basics of storytelling. Next, we'll delve into social and personal stories, then talk about not letting other people write your story for you. Finally, we'll discuss the benefits of actually writing it down and how this all relates to making you a better developer. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, um, it's actually been fairly easy. I've, I've been kind of taking it easy. I'm, I'm kind of trying to recover from a little bit of burnout from earlier this year, so I haven't been really pushing myself hard. And yeah, so you know, I'm, I'm coming home and I'm, I'm writing outlines and stuff, and I'm writing emails for the show, but I'm not just, I'm not pushing extremely hard. Nice. And it's, it's, it's been real nice here lately. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I. You know, I've been like freezer cooking and stuff like that, you know, like, you know, cooking meals to put in the freezer to heat back up later. And I cooked like, I think like 40 this this weekend. Like I used two Costco sized bags of onions hmm. this weekend, which is insane. Yeah. So, I, you know, I've, I've been kind of taking it easy. I've, I know I'm going to hit the ground running right after the first of the year. And so I'm just kind of Winding chilling out. Down. Yeah. I'm chilling out a little bit. Nice. That's, that's really cool. I, I'm doing the exact opposite. Yeah. Um, I've got, we're in a long sprint because we wanted to get through the holidays and it would have hit right mid and some people were taking vacation and it would just been really bad. Honestly, I'm a bit off today as I don't normally go into the office on a Monday. We had our department holiday town hall this morning, which uh, by the way, Congrats to Dave. I didn't say this to him on the uh, the Facebook Live, but uh, he won a star award. Nice. So awesome. Great job, Dave. He He's come in and talk about hit the ground running. He came in a few months ago and just has been a huge hit. Yeah. He's done a lot of great things since he started working. Oh, he's the him. kind of guy that just shows up and nukes everything that yeah. is in front of him. So I'm, I'm glad he won something for yeah. that. So, uh, the intro, that uh, story that never ends, so to speak, is uh, something my grandfather used to do. You, you had a look on your face, and I'm like, all right, I got to explain this. That. I was like, are we doing an episode in recursion? <laughs> <laughs> that would be good for that, yes. But uh, no, um, he used to tell a similar story, uh, except for instead of developers, they were privates in the military. Ah. And they're asking their sergeant to tell them a story. And so that that's something that uh, actually I shared that uh, when I spoke at his funeral several years ago. And uh, it's really odd. The the funny story like that that I told, I ended up kind of tearing up on. But the heartfelt kind of almost sad story that I told, I ended up kind of giggling on. Yeah. 
it's just weird the way emotions work in, in a situation like that. Speaking of weird, while most people do spring cleaning, personally, I'd rather be outside riding my bike. So I do late fall, early winter cleaning. Yeah, I, I kind of do the same thing because I start, you know, I kick stuff off in the spring. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, I guess it's late winter for me. I've been cleaning out some closets, taking things to storage, throwing some stuff away. But mainly I've been making myself some room to build a meditation area in my walk-in closet. Yeah. I, I kind of wish I had a spot like that. Like, I, I really don't. Like, I use mm-hmm. my office. Yeah, and, but you got a, a window I, in there. Yeah, I got a window in there and the neighbor's, you know, 400,000 candle power outdoor lights that are just, you know, like, I, I swear, if you if you look at them, you will go blind. Oh, yeah. And it's not ideal. Like at my old house, I had an out, you know, I had a outbuilding off the garage that I could go into that was perfect. Yeah, I remember that. And I, I don't really have that here, and I wish I did. Mm-hmm. I'm also cleaning some things out of my storage unit to make room for the futon that I've got. Uh, my dad is buying a new couch, and so he's going to give me his old couch and recliner. Which, uh, by the way, will could you uh, help me move some furniture next weekend? Is it not oak this time? No, it that's is not. good. <laughs> so that'd be the first non-oak piece of furniture that you have. Well, no, the futon's not oak. Ah, uh, yeah, there is that. Yeah. I don't think I actually got to help moving that part. I think I moved like all the other heavy things. Yeah. <laughs> that well, was the thing rough. is, my, my dad could help with the futon back when I moved because it was a lot lighter. Yeah. But uh, speaking of moving, I've got something fun that might be able to help out with that for IOTs. This week for IOTs, I've got an article titled, Are Exoskeletons the Future of Physical Labor? The Verge reported that Ford is experimenting with exoskeleton technology to avoid or prevent workplace injury. Now, this really isn't Internet of Things. I hope it's not Internet of Things. But it is really cool. Uh, It's just a neat thing in tech right now. How many of us have watched movies or thought it'd be really cool to have some kind of exoskeletal assistance when lifting really heavy things? You know, imagine when this tech gets into the mainstream. We could rent an exoskeleton from U-Haul for moving furniture. Yeah. And I'm sure Will might even offer to help me move again if yeah. he could wear one. <laughs> yeah. At which point, Beach gets furniture made out of lignum vitae or some other heavier wood or steel. <laughs> yeah, I would do that. Just <laughs> because it's Beach. Yeah. Well, I have a link to that article in the show notes. It's pretty cool. Who's talking to us this week? Well, we grabbed a iTunes review from Rick Murdoch. He says, I met Beach at Bar Camp Nashville yesterday at the Complete Developer Podcast table. I just listened to my first Complete Developer podcast, and I'll be back for more. These guys are both entertaining and informative. Their tips on job hunting are just what I needed to hear right now. I can't wait to listen to more of their podcasts. Keep up the great work, guys. Rick, thanks. It was really great meeting you. I remember talking to you at Bar Camp. Send us an email at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com because we've got a Complete Developer water bottle just for you. Guys, if you'd like your very own Complete Developer water bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all of our episodes to LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. We're also on Path and Tumblr and very recently have an Instagram account that we have not posted a single thing to. 
Yeah, we hadn't quite got it figured out what we want to do with it yet. <laughs> well, it, it came about because of suggestion of Junior Developer Toolbox. Now, I think I've mentioned this before, but we've had some issues recently shipping water bottles to Eastern Europe. And if you haven't received one yet, we're working on a solution. And we'll let y'all know as soon as we have one, if Will and I have to order them to come to us and then have us ship them to you, we will do that. So you guys will get your water bottles. So it, it may take a little bit of time and hopefully they'll be coming to you soon. Check us out each week on Facebook Live, Twitter Live, or Periscope. We're learning how to do the live feeds, so be on the lookout for more as we learn. You can join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. So what do we mean by writing your story? Well, the theme for the past year has been goal setting. And writing your story goes beyond setting and achieving your goals. Stories are about growth and change. And it's kind of about becoming your own guiding influence. Yeah. In other words, you write the story that you want to have written with your own life. Mm -hmm. Why do you want to tell your story? Well, um, from psychology today, first of all, it can help you find your voice. Yeah, um, and it, that means it can help you figure out how you want to say things. It also can help you affirm your values. Yeah, to, to better understand what it is that you find important. And a lot of you guys may be thinking, well, I know that. And you're right. You do know that. You know what you find valuable and important, obviously. Yeah. Like the and obvious things. <clears throat> but there are other things that you may find valuable. Then these are things that Will and I have talked to you guys about before. Like we talked about, for example, the developer who claims they don't have any time to learn yeah. or to spend advancing their skills. But what do they do? They go home and they watch four hours of television every night. Yeah. So they don't value advancing their skills. They value watching television. Yeah, it's, it's real easy to say that you value something and then have, uh, I don't know, your checking account show that you clearly don't. I can't believe that I don't remember the word. I was just talking to one of my coworkers today about this. But there is a term for when you say that you want to do something or that you want to make a change but then you don't do it. Like cognitive dissonance? Not, not cognitive dissonance. It's a single word for this. But it, it's, it's basically this idea of I claim to value this and that I want to be like this, but I'm doing nothing to get there. Oh, yeah. It's called laziness. <laughs> not that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, I think it's very easy to talk about the things that you value and to not act on that. In fact... My personal experience has shown me that a lot of times I will talk about something that I value and then not do it. Whereas if I just shut up and do it, I will do it because it's, it's the, I guess the deal that comes out is that if you get the feedback, the positive feedback for that thing before you actually do the thing, now you get the feedback and you don't have to do the thing. See, that, that is one area where you and I differ. And yeah. Cause you like to, you know, like you're the extrovert and you'll, You'll feel held accountable right. by putting your goals out there. Exactly. And, and that, that's part of how this podcast even started. Yeah. Was to get an external way of feeling accountable. Um, I know the whole reason I even got into listening to podcasts was based around this idea because of 
Right, guys, don't hold this against me, but Jay and Silent Bob grow old. I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. I love his movies. Jason Mewes is an amazing man. He has made a huge recovery from being addicted to heroin and other opioids to now having a family, owning a home, being a successful producer in the movie industry. And that was because his friend, Kevin Smith, started doing a podcast with him every week and having the fan base basically hold him accountable. Yeah. And I mean, you know, honestly, like this, this podcast has shown your story arc, but it's also shown mine. Mm -hmm. I used to be very shy. You did. And I had a lot of that still left when I started this podcast and I wasn't very good at marketing myself and I wasn't intending to market it, you know, market myself. I wasn't taking the appropriate action and putting the story out there and kind of going, okay, how do I want this to look? How do I want this to fold together? Forced me to do it. Mm -hmm. It can also help you find peace or hope. I mean, it did that with Jason Mewes. It did that for me because I was, I was coming out of a very dark place, leaving med school, getting divorced and several other things going on in my life. I was in a dark place when I started down the path towards development and you know, then we started the podcast and it has helped me getting my story out there to be happier, to be in a better place in my life. And I've still got a ways to go, guys, I'll be honest with you, but I am a lot further along than I was two years ago. Yeah, so I would definitely agree with that. As somebody that saw you pretty much at your darkest hour, I think. Yeah. Or Well, not at the very darkest, but pretty close to it. You're a like, couple states away at the darkest, I think. Yeah, you you saw me like a week after my darkest. Yeah. <laughs> like we went out to dinner. Yeah. I remember that. Yep. Those are good hot wings too. Those were, yes. They were greasy though. Those always are greasy there. Though. Yeah. Anyways, the the final thing is and you know, we we've kind of talked about this a little, sharing your story can help others. And we've mentioned Jay and Silent Bob get old, but that helped me a lot. Well, I mean, and that's a key tenet of like um, a lot of your drug recovery program right. type, you know, type setups anyway. Like that's if you've ever had a family member that has had, you know, problems in that regard, like, you know, they, you go in there and you hear what other people are going through. Right. And I do want to clarify for everyone that I didn't have a drug right. issue. So that that was not part of, of my struggles. Yeah. Everything else was on fire, but there were no drugs. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Everything else was smoking, yeah. <laughs> but there were no drugs. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I I did not have an issue with that, but some of the things from that, and quite possibly because I had worked in that industry, in the you know drug recovery industry, that I identified with a lot of the things that work there. Moving on into the bulk of what we're going to talk about, uh, sort of the basics of storytelling. Start by orienting your audience to the characters in your story. Like we started with an introduction. Hello world. Yep. You know, introduce your people and places to the audience. We do this every week in the opening to the show. Yeah. And that's part of the reason we do that, right? Is it, it humanizes us. We're not just talking about the tech, you know, what we're going through in our personal lives as well. And there's a reason for that is that it makes you more engaged. It also makes us have to deal with those things. Right. The characters in your story will face a challenge or crisis that changes their world. And we've talked about the things that I went through 
that changed my world and led to me coming into development. But this could be changing careers, could be going off to college. Um, it doesn't have to be negative, though it could be negative events in life, like ending a relationship. Yeah, or starting one. As a negative event? Hey. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our exes. <laughs> and for some people, they live in Texas. <laughs> oh, <laughs> never mind. I know exactly who you're talking about now. Oh. It, it took a minute. <laughs> I was referring to the SOG, but yeah, there. Yeah, well. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the event itself doesn't have to be a drastic one, but the impact should be meaningful, drastic, basically. Typically, there are two types of people in stories, those that change when faced with challenge and those that do not. What you want is to be the character in your story that changes. Right. Because otherwise, why are you coming up with this? Right. Like you're, you're trying to get to a, uh, an end point in a character arc for yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that everything about you changes, but there's a reason that you're pursuing these things. And that should be the thing that drives that change. Mm-hmm. You know, continue to be that character that grows and changes to face new challenges. So don't just change once, but you need to grow your changes and as you go along. Right. I don't know that we're necessarily going through like the full on, like the Joseph Campbell thing, because um, that's that's a huge topic. Uh, we're um, about, not. About how all that works. But this is just the general structure of story. Like if we use Star Wars as an example, mm-hmm. you know, Luke Skywalker wants to get away from the farm. He's bored to tears he wants to go fight the empire his that's what his story arc reflects he changes in response to where he wants to go han solo has a story arc han solo's you know he wants to avoid the empire as much as possible but his story arc changes because of the conflict that he encounters and you know if you look at the different star wars episodes the first one's about han solo the second one is luke skywalker's change and the third one is darth vader's and then one of those characters. And then the prequels and the others don't matter. Well, and then one of those characters that never changes is Princess Leia. Right. And there are characters like. Well, she that. starts being nice to Han <laughs> eventually, yeah. but that doesn't really count. No. Well, so there are characters like that that won't, that will not face challenges that change them. Right. I mean, you don't ever see Jabba the Hutt go on a weight loss program. No. He. he, he no, sa- no subway sandwiches for this slug. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, we're, we're not going into the in-depths of those types of things. What we're talking about is, you know, we wanted to kind of give an overview of storytelling so that you can understand what we have to say in the rest of this episode based on that context. Because next we're going to talk about your community story or the story of your tribe. Then we'll talk about your personal story, the story of your life. And then we're going to kind of get into not letting someone else write your own story. The story of your tribe. What is a community or a tribe? Well, the smallest unit of it is your family. I mean, that's the first community that you're ever a part of. This is where we first learn about community. And usually this community lasts a lifetime. Yeah. Doesn't for everyone. Um, And there are people who do not have the same family structures as others. Right. But this is generally where that first concept of community and tribe comes from. And the next one is cultural heritage. And this also, just as an aside, is why you have so many flashpoints in the world right now. Is people have, this is part of their story arc, and they don't want somebody else writing their story. 
you know, part of the problem is as the world becomes more connected and we, we start forcing people into melting pots. Right. They're trying to hold on to their heritage. And this is just an observation I have made is it's one thing to respect each other based on, hey, you have a cultural heritage. I have a cultural heritage. They're different. That's really neat. I like to learn about yours. You'd like to learn about mine versus, hey, we have to blend ours. Yeah. And you and have it, to give up some of yours and I have to give up some of mine. It, and that's where you get the the tension. Your culture makes you different than somebody else. And that's okay. You know, that like people talk about like in-group and out-group, like that's a bad thing. It's not. Identity is identity. You are you. You're not, you know, a part of a herd. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily a bad thing for your story. It, it can be if you start to be a jerk about it. Right. But it, it's not a priori bad. Yeah, it's not bad in and of itself. Right. And the next is like religious affiliation. Your religious affiliation, it's sort of like when we were discussing the episodes on time. Right. That that is sort of the core of how people organize their world. And that's what they hang everything off of. Yes. For a very long time, if not for their entire lives. I would say your religious affiliation and cultural heritage are the second tribes that you have. So the first is your family. That's That is where you first start to learn about community and tribe. And then the next is culture and religion. And so from those three is where you hang everything off of. Yeah. Uh, the final are friends and groups of people with whom you associate. So, you know, we have our developer launchpad group, which, yeah, which has, we built our own tribe. We, we have, and it, it is people from different types of families, different cultural heritages, different religions, Different political views, vastly different political views. Oh, yeah. We've had some really fascinating conversations. One of the things I love about that group, and we try to avoid the the religious and political conversations during the the points where we're trying to help people with the technical stuff, but in the socials, we've had some really interesting conversations where you know, we've learned – yeah. All sorts of fascinating things about other cultures, other religions. And they've learned about us. Do you remember taking Chang to the um, Renaissance, Renaissance Festival? Festival? Oh, yeah. Because that was completely new for him. He'd never seen anything like that. Oh, yeah. He he told me before we went, when we, when we scheduled it, he said, I am so excited. I want one of the big turkey legs. Yeah. That was the one thing he said. He said, <laughs> everybody says I have to try it. I really want one. And so I thought I was saying, we will get you one. Yeah, that I is guarantee not a problem. that. <laughs> and that kind of cultural exchange is totally fine. It, it works. Oh, and yeah. So, you know, we're not saying lock yourself into a culture. We're saying that this is the, this is the starting point for where you hang all the pieces off of. This is how you navigate the world. Oh, yeah. And uh, speaking of Chang, I, I had several conversations with him. Um, he's from Taiwan. And what's fascinating is I learned from him, my sister, who we were just talking to on the Facebook Live, has a foreign exchange student from Taiwan. So when I went up to visit, I had some reference point, thanks to Chang, yeah, that I could talk to her about. And then we were able to have a conversation and we could compare. I was like, okay, this is what you guys do in this, you know, for this holiday or for this. And this is what we do. And it's a fascinating thing if you go into it with... And I don't, I don't want to use the term open mind, but yeah. you, you go into it with, with the an idea. accepting mind. Yes, that is it. Accepting mind of 
I'm here to learn about you. That doesn't mean I have to change. Yeah. It just means I get to learn more. And that may change me. That may change my view of the world. It may not. Right. And that's okay either way. Yeah. And of course, Chang is totally prepared if he ever runs across um, like a large group of nerds that have got an Etch-A-Sketch view of history because we took him to the Renaissance Festival. Yes. <laughs> He's also prepared if he ever runs into a large group of rednecks. Yeah. Because he hung out with us. There is that. <laughs> but uh, guys, our social or community story conveys the social norms of our tribe. And it's what Will's been talking about. That's what we hang things on. It tells what is and is not acceptable behavior within our group. Like I said, with developer Launchpad, we have developed this tribe to where it is acceptable to talk about those things at our socials. It is not acceptable to talk about those types of things at our code jams because the focus is on the learning and the working together to build something. Right. And so while you may have a fascinating conversation, we will ask you to take that outside. Right. Because it is going to distract other people. That is not the focus there. And we've developed that and had a lot of success with it. There have been a few times where we have had to talk to people and be like, hey, this is not the right place for that. Right. We, have a, we have a place for that. This isn't it. And that's part of it. We're developing that. We're building that tribe. So we're building those social norms. Uh, it also conveys the consequences for unacceptable behavior. And, you know, in our case, it's not anything real bad. It's like go outside or maybe we'll mock you a little bit. But, you know, right. in other cultures, like there's certain things you just don't do. Like, I mean, where I grew up, there's definitely some stuff that you don't do out there in the sticks. It may be completely legal, but you don't go out there and do that. Yeah. What we're getting at here is stories were used and still are used to convey this information, especially before... Things were codified. Right. That was what, Hammurabi? Yes. So, how are these community stories conveyed? Well, uh, shared history is probably the biggest part, especially with your community. Um, you know, f for instance, if you know, my wife's family is, I think, pretty much all Irish. Like, they came over here when the potatoes ran out. And, you know, that's in their backstory. Um, I have Jewish friends whose family, you know, fled over here before the war. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, I think everybody knows what's what's in that backstory. And it, it doesn't necessarily have to be something negative, right? Like, if you talk to Italians, like, you know, from Rome, they're like, oh, dude, look, the center of the world was here. Yeah, there's a lot of positive things, too. Like, the first things we have listed are some negative things, but then you also have the moon landing. Yeah. Do you remember where you were when they tore down the Berlin Wall? Uh <laughs> Yeah, I was I was in my parents' house. Like there's there wasn't anything going on. Oh, see, I remember watching that at school. Ah, uh, like I, I just remember all the excitement because I, I don't think we found out about it at school. I think it was on the evening news that night. It was the it was it was the next day. We watched the video of it at school. Yeah, and I because I, I think I'd already gone to bed because I was eight years old. It was 1989. Yeah, I was eight years old. I when think. that happened. So I, I remember I remember watching that at happen at school. And, you know, you know, I, I just remember growing up in my early childhood during the Cold War. Yeah. With Cold War movies, things, you know, from the seventies and stuff. And I, I at that age was right when I was getting into like the James Bonds and the and the Cold War, like the big war movies. I one of my goals in the next five years is to go to Prague because I have always wanted to go there because it was a hotbed. Yeah. St. Petersburg for yeah. me. 
yeah. the same kind of reason. It's like, I just want to see these places that were talked about. And, yeah, exactly. You know, like all the places like on the Romanian border with like Moldova and some of those mm-hmm. little checkpoints and stuff. Like, you know, I've read about all that stuff and it's because of that in the past. Like it's, it makes it more vivid. Right. These have led to goals in our adult life. Yeah. So another is mythos. This is a shared story of a community or group of people that usually conveys the community's social norms in a narrative where those meeting societal expectations are rewarded and those that do not are punished. Yeah, and this is where you get onto the edge of you know religion and mythos because a lot of times those two perfectly dovetail and then a lot of times they don't. Right. So, I, I want to clarify, and I use the term mythos here. Right. As opposed to mythology. Yeah. Because I've had classes at a religious institution on mythology, and it was very clearly stated, religion is mythology. Not that it is fake, but that it is the story of a people. Right. So, whether or not it is true is irrelevant to whether or not it is the stories of a people. This could also be tall tales, urban legends, you know. The fish was this big stories. Yeah. <laughs> you know, ones that grew. Well, like King Arthur. Yeah. And, you know, there probably was somebody that did at least some of those things. That united the tribes. Yeah. At, mm-hmm. at various points. I mean, they're, you know, England has had a pretty good long history. There was somebody like that. He probably didn't pull a sword out of a stone and become a legendary king. Sword in the Stone and King Arthur are two separate stories. Yeah, but now it's not. <laughs> oh, yeah. People people mistake the them as being the same, but they are not the same right. story. And I mean, that's the other thing, too. I'm also like, a pedantic nerd, guys, yeah. just FYI. But stories blend over time. They do. They and do. That, that's the other thing. You may have two or three stories that are tied together that weren't, mm-hmm. you know, a few hundred years ago. Yeah, there's there's some, some things on, uh, I think, Merlin and his relation to King Arthur and, and that that are actually more likely he was a separate leader. And they, the stories got merged. Yeah. And, and the big point here is that stories are not necessarily intended to be 100% true. They're intended to guide mm-hmm. people. And in more modern days, we have books and movies and things like that. Like just earlier, when talking about stories, Will referenced a series of movies that almost everyone listening has seen. Well, and there's a reason for that. It's a, share, you know, it's a shared vocabulary, right. effectively. Yeah. Like Star Wars, I would bet almost every single one of our listeners has seen the original trilogy. Yeah, and the, you know, like so they've seen you know the Empire Strikes Back, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's basically the story of Osiris. Yes, in, and, in a lot of ways. And they know that Empire is the best, right? Because they're smart people. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, like you know, I could tell you, okay, you know, you've probably seen The Lion King. Somebody that doesn't have um, the cultural refer- reference to Hamlet. Might not understand that, or they might not understand the Lion King, but they understand Hamlet. You you pick the story that fits the mold. It's like a design pattern. Darmok and Gillard at Tanagra. <laughs> yeah. So that was an episode for those of you that didn't watch uh, Star Trek TNG. We've had some uh, guests on here that were big fans that would have understood that. Yeah. That was an episode where they ran into a culture that only spoke in references to their mythology. And they had to, like, figure that out in order to communicate with them. The way we perceive and tell community stories is changing with globalization. For example, when I say white rabbit, what do you think of? Yeah, I actually thought of The Matrix. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think of The Matrix or do you think of Lewis Carroll? One comes from the other. Right. But 
Yeah, when I say White Rabbit, a lot of people think follow the White Rabbit from the, the Matrix. From yeah. the Matrix, yeah. America was once called a cultural melting pot, but with current technology, the world is a melting pot. Not only are our communities diverse, but we're able to join larger groups than just what's around us. And, you know, your preferred chosen group now doesn't have to be just based on proximity. It can be, hey, these are people that are interested in what I'm interested in. I know growing up, I was, you know, a big computer nerd. And I had about three friends in high school that were big computer nerds. I had other friends, but three, I had a little small community of three friends that were big computer nerds, took programming classes with me. But when I got home, and I sat and listened to Ace of Base and got on my computer. Yeah. I could get, I could log into those message boards and I could talk to a much larger community of people that yep. were into the same kind of things I was. Yep. For uh, another one is our Slack channel. We have members of our Slack from all over the world. You know, we, we've had difficulty mailing some water bottles to them. Yeah, which is not something you would ever think about. Like we yeah. didn't think about it when we started offering water bottles. Like, can we get them there? Mm-hmm. And we learned that, oh, yeah, maybe you can't. Yeah. Now, for how this affects your work life, check out our recent episode on distributed teams because we go in-depth on those issues there. Now that we've established our community, let's talk about your personal story or the story of your life. Your story is the narrative you create with your life as you work towards or against your goals. What story are you telling with your life? Yeah, and this is like the whole checkbook register thing. You know, like we've had a number of politicians lately here in the U.S. and a number of media figures that recently got called out on the fact that their projected image was not the story they were telling with their lives um, in a pretty bad way. And, you know, the, the truth eventually does come out. And so you need to think about what story you're creating with your life. If it, even if the truth doesn't come out, it comes out to you. So are you telling a story with clear set goals, with movement towards a theme, or is your story more like a Monty Python sketch? Right. How do you know he's the king? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to avoid being whipped around without any control. You know, you're bouncing from one thing to another with no end or next level in mind. Yeah, and this was what my early career was a lot like. It was I'm reacting to what I'm encountering. I'm not picking where I'm going. And you don't ever want to be in that situation. You know, I've been in relationships like that. So have you. Mm-hmm. And I've been in friendships like that. Um, I've had uh, family act that way as well, where you find yourself reacting to what they're doing versus going, okay, here's what I want, and I'm going for that. This comes from not setting or actively working towards your goals. It can also be situational or even come from an outside influence. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But setting smart goals and actively working towards them can help mediate or prevent this. And this is sort of what building your story is about, is how you work towards your goals and being more effective in doing that. And that's where we're going this year. We focused on building your goals, and now we're focusing on how you achieve those goals and how you build a life around that. Yeah, and before we get too far into that, I mean, 
you also want to be careful that you avoid goals that are too rigid. Like this isn't going, okay, I'm going to do this on this date. I'm going to do this on this other date, you know, and then I'm going to do this. It's more like, Hey, I want my life to kind of follow this arc. I want to get to be, you know, instead of me saying, I want to be a senior, you know, software architect at Microsoft, I want to be a senior software architect that works with distributed systems. Mm -hmm. If getting sick or injured completely destroys your story or your goals, then they're too strict. Yes. And, you know, Will's hernia that we've talked about did not destroy his goals because they are not that strict, but it did change his timeline some. Yeah, it hosed my timeline by about Mm -hmm. probably a good six months. But Um, it didn't destroy those goals because you weren't too strict on them. And this is kind of a review, but with your goals further out, the larger the goal, the less strict you want to be. Right. And you, as you narrow that down, as you get from your five year to your one year, you get a, you can add a little bit more strictness, a little bit more definition to it. Then as you get down to your tasks, your, what am I going to do this week? That's where you want, all right, I'm going to do these things towards achieving my goal. Right. And you, and you'll see this in uh, stories like Lord of the Rings, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, Frodo has to get to, you know, uh, I think it was the the end at Bree by a certain date. He has to throw the ring in the fire eventually, right? Like those are two very different lengths of time for a goal. Mm-hmm. So it's important to know which one you're on. Exactly. You may have set your expectations too high or need to break them down further. You know, so if Frodo had said, I need to throw the ring in the fires of Mordor by this date. Yeah. Then he would have taken more dangerous shortcuts and probably gotten killed and the movie would have ended very differently. Right. Or the book, but yeah. Yeah. It can also be a situation where the structure is placed into your story. And that's something we're going to talk about in not letting other people write your story. But you want your story to be a flexible kind of choose your own adventure. Like have a goal or set of goals that you are working towards, but don't force yourself into a set path to reach your goals. For example, Will has goals that he is working towards. Getting the hernia, having the surgery, changed a few things on his path towards those goals. Didn't change the goals, it changed the path. And if he had been too focused on the path, it would have destroyed everything. And how many people have you and I seen that we know who get so focused on the individual tasks leading to the goal that when something comes up, it destroys everything and they never reach that goal. Including a good thing. Right. Um, especially good things. Yeah, that's the worst is when it's a good thing. And then they're just flat-footed and they're like, I, I don't I don't know what to do now. Like you want to maintain optionality. Well, More optionality the further out you go. An example of this is I had the goal of working for a healthcare company. That was, a, that was my goal. Yeah. You know, I had the big goal of being a developer. And, w- and under that was work for a healthcare company as a developer. That was just like, I was going to get into the development world that way. That didn't happen. I got a job. Great thing. I got a job as a developer, not working at a healthcare company. My goals were flexible. No big deal. My big goal was being a developer, was not working for a healthcare company. Well, I think the, the big thing for you was that, yes, you know, working for a healthcare company was a was a goal for you, but it wasn't the desired end state. In other words, it was it was a place in the progression towards what you really wanted, right? Not the final act. And sometimes people get 
what they really want a step a step or two early yeah. and it completely throws them off. Yeah, or they or that takes them longer. Right. I think it's the difference between traveling, you know, from one, you know, from I don't know, some distant location to your house. If you're halfway there and the river is flooded and you have to go around, you maintain optionality and you go around it. If you get to your house and your house is flooded, that's a different thing. So the big thing is to not force yourself onto a set path to get mm-hmm. your goal. I'm going to get my goal. Here's the steps I think that I'm going to have to take, but I'm going to be constantly reevaluating and readjusting. This is what your GPS does. Yeah. I mean, this is what the agile process right. does. Because we were talking about this at work just today in a meeting about the point of agile is we reevaluate and we go, hey, this isn't working. Let's find a better way of doing it. And this is something we learned in martial arts too. You know, somebody that gets really focused on doing a wrist lock, they get hit in the face. Somebody that says, I'm going to knock this guy down. However, I have to do it tends to do a lot better job of knocking the other guy down. Right. So finally, don't let someone else write your story. You want your personal story to be different from your community story. It doesn't have to differ widely, but you don't want your community writing your story for you. Yeah. And this is a big thing I see with developers, right? Like there's the progression. I'm going to be a junior dev. I'm going to be a mid-level dev. I'm going to be a senior dev. And then I'm going to be an architect Mm -hmm. or I'm going to go into management. And it's like, you know, here's your progression. Here's your story. Everybody does the same thing. That may not be for you. You may go junior dev, mid-level dev. Entrepreneur. Yeah. Or junior dev, mid-level dev, project manager. Or junior dev, mid-level dev, senior dev, podcaster. Yeah. And you may author. Yeah, you may never see that coming. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't. There there are a lot of paths you can take. This comes about from over-influence of your community story. And to avoid it, you need to set proper boundaries. Yeah, and we're going to talk about boundaries probably quite a bit this year, just as a consequence of building your story and thinking about the whole arc of your your growth as a human being, because boundaries are a big part of it so that you're not what somebody else wants you to be. Boundaries are a big part of one of our favorite stories. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sort of truth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't help that. (laughs) But um, next, your employer has their own story that they are writing. Now, you're a part of their story, but you don't want them writing your story. Right. And we've discussed this before. You know, you can get in on your employer's story, which is you know, like, this is what I've done at my job mm-hmm. is I'm getting in and I'm going, hey, since you're trying to do this, here's the goal you're getting. Now, here, let me help you get there. Hey, we could go this way and get there better as far right. as like the long term goals of the company so they can see the buy in. Well, you know, what's funny. I just had a conversation today with our executive director and we're we're doing this thing with our, our sign on where we're having to check that the cookie is still still valid. And I explained to her the reasons why we might want to separate that out of the app and make it, it's a service. And we're moving towards a microservices architecture. Right. And when I said that, she just like, her eyes lit up and she's like, yes, that is exactly the path we are on. That's right. what I want you to do. Yeah. So if you understand somebody else's story, you can go along with it and flow with it. However, you also don't want to let other people's stories push you where you don't want to go. Right. You know, they will want you to do and be what they need, not exactly what's best for you. Sometimes it may be what's best for you because one of the things working for the state government is there are educational paths 
I want to be a developer. Like, I want to move up the ranks of being a developer. Well, there is a developer path in there. And so my performance evaluations are based around me working towards that goal of taking those classes on that developer path. And so in that case, my employer and I are on the same path. In other words, you're, you're traveling together. Right, right. We may not always stay there. And that's fine. That that happens. People, and we have a whole episode on when to quit, not because you hate your job, but when is the right time to quit? And it's because your story diverges from your employer's story. Right. And you may come back. Exactly. Um, or you may meet each other in another context. I mean, it's not it's not the end of the the end of the road. It's just the end of this part. Relying on your employer for training and keeping up with the industry is basically letting them write your story. Yeah, because they're going to they're only going to pay for the stuff that they want. I am lucky enough to be in a situation where what they want and what I want are on the same path. And you may be in that place. We have friends, you're in that place. Yeah. We have friends in that place where what their employer wants and what they want to do are on the same path. And we also have friends that have accepted a path that their employer set for them. You know, uncritically, they didn't push back. They didn't do anything on their own. And then they lost their jobs Mm -hmm. and they had a hard time. Now, I do want to point out that even if you and your employer don't exactly match on your goals, you can still move forward together in a direction that is beneficial to you both until it's time to move on. And this is just that's the way the industry works. Yeah. That's the way any industry works Mm -hmm. Um, with with both people in the relationship being empowered to take control of their own destiny that's how it should work speaking of the whole destiny thing your family is your first concept of community and therefore it's also a strong influence on your stories now when you're younger your parents will guide you typically and be in control of your storyline and goals and this is i'm using this because yes i recognize not everyone has parents not everyone has the nuclear family but you, the majority do. Well, you had somebody around when you were a child. Yeah. And and like I said, the majority. So we're going to go with that. But like Will said, you had someone around. Um, this becomes a problem when they continue to do so at the detriment of your own ambitions. Right. So when you are very young, you need that guidance. You need someone there to help you out, to guide you along. But as you get older, you start, uh, I guess... Well, you build your own goals. Right. You, you you move out of the concrete thinking, and it's usually around pre-adolescence to early adolescence. Right. That you start to move out of this concrete, someone else setting the goals for you, and you start setting your own. This is why you have a lot of conflict, especially in early adolescence. You know, the, I remember those. You know, the, yeah. The 12, 13, 14-year-old issues is because you're starting to realize that the goals your parents are setting for you may not be the ones that you want. Yeah. Or, or their goals are unrealistic and they're, you know, for their generation. Right. Um, you know, our, you know, our parents are, are all boomers and in their generation, you got a job and you could stay there 40 years and you retired. Exactly. And so, you know, they'll look down on you because you switched jobs, you know, Oh, you switched jobs after five years. I can't believe you did that. And, you know, we'll, we'll be telling our, you know, if, if things get stable again, we'll be telling our kids, I can't believe you stayed at that job for 10 years. You know, if it gets back to the way the boomers had it, which it probably won't. Well, I'll, I will be honest for me, even coming into 
the tech industry, it is a little awkward to think about most people stay at a job three to five years on average. Yeah. You know, it, because one, I had the boomer and, you know, my grandparents too, that were, you got a job and you stayed there, you know, unless something big happened or like you, you moved. Of course, then uh, of course, I say that and my grandfather on my dad's side was a brick mason. So he moved job to job because it was like, you build the thing. There's not a job anymore. <laughs> yeah. But they still had that attitude and like that loyalty to the job that doesn't make sense anymore. Right. I know when I was working in medicine and in psych, that's still there to an degree. Yeah. There's still a lot of loyalty to the job in that. But outside of that, or of course- Well, in tech, there isn't any. Right. There, there isn't because it, it's you, you have to move to grow so right. much in that. And it's really, it's kind of weird because where I work, Everyone else in the department, all the other divisions, there's loyalty to the job. There are people that have 30 or 40 years of service, not in the exact same job, but in the same division. Right. Within the department, you know, and it's, if I were to do that, I would stagnate as a developer. Right. They were able to do it because things weren't changing as fast for most of that 30, 40 years. Well, also, the thing but, is, they're not yeah. developers. They yeah. they're other do other things like... Countants and... Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're, you know, we're kind of at the forefront of change, and it's just, you, you can't stay put. Right. And so, when this becomes a problem is not when you hit this in adolescence, but it's when it continues on beyond. Right. And I know you and I have had some conversations because... My mom, I don't want to say she's overbearing, but she, she has, has strong opinions. Yeah, she's very she's, opinionated. Yeah. We share that in our mother's qualities. <laughs> right. And when I made the transition into tech, I had to fight yep. to get her to even acknowledge that I was going that direction. Right. We like it, it's fine now, but we had a conversation just this past weekend when I was visiting her where she said, "You know, I honestly did not think you would ever get a job in technology without a degree. She's like, I thought you'd have to go back to school for it. And I was like, that's not how the industry works. And she's like, she doesn't understand that because she's not, she's a nurse. She's not in an industry that that makes any sense. And I had always been in medicine, so it did not make sense. Right. And I, you know, I remember talking to my parents because, you know, I changed jobs, I think three or four times in one year. Yeah. Um, You know, I had a couple of like short, you know, short stints, you know, that were like uh, contract type deals. And then I got another job and it didn't work out and I ditched it and went to something else. And my parents were like, you're jumping around. You're not going to be employable because you're job hopping. And it's like, I wouldn't have been employable had I stayed. Now, ideally, what you want is for your parents to set the stage for you to create your own story. Right. And that's that's the direction that it should go. They should guide you early on. And help you make those decisions in adolescence to where, as an adult, you are able to create your own story. Right. Like my father, you know, he taught me a lot of math. He taught me a lot of chemistry, a lot of other stuff. But he also taught me to always be curious, to always learn what's going on. And he also taught me my work ethic. And it really hasn't mattered what I've been doing. Those things are still useful. Like he he set that up and it's like, okay, you're Here's the canvas. Go paint on it. Right. So, finally, we hit romantic relationships. 
then they can create a story of their own. If you are not careful, a romantic relationship can take over your personal story. Yeah. And you and I both have had friends that have done this. Like they've had aspirations and then they got married or they got, you know, into a serious relationship and they just dropped them and they never went anywhere. Even if the relationship, yeah, they didn't, they didn't recover. There, there was that or they got lost. In yeah. It. I mean, I, I would say to some degree that happened with me. I would agree with that. You know, and you want to find someone that brings out the best in you. Sometimes you find someone who, on the good days, brings out the best in you, and on the worst, on the bad days, brings out the worst in you. Yeah. And I think that's what happened with me and my ex. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, just looking from outside, I think part of that was, was there. But the, the other thing was, is you, you did pretty well. And I think to some degree that dulled your hunger a little bit. You know what I mean? Like you, you're very, very focused when you have good motivation. And if that flags a little bit, like it, it knocks you wobbly a little for a, well, for a while. Part of the problem was I had everything I ever wanted. Yeah. I had a beautiful wife. I was in medical school going to be what I had dreamed about being for many, many years. Like I had everything that I wanted. There was nothing left to gain. It was mine to lose. Right. And you did. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, and that's yeah, you know, it's part of your story. But I think the other thing too is that you lost some goals that you maybe realized more about. Well, yeah, I mean, part of it too was I I realized I as I got into that, and this is the thing: goals and stories change. Right. I realized I did not want the goals that I had had before, and some of that took the the pain and loss of the relationship for me to realize. Yeah. Hey, this is not worth it to me. This yeah. is not what I really want with my life. And I mean, I've found something that I'm much happier doing. Now, ideally, when you start writing a story with another person, you're going to combine your stories and goals. And I am reminded of a Pogue song. And I told Will when I was yep. writing this that I, I knew was exactly which Pogue one you were talking yeah. about, too. It's, it's Fairy Tale of New York with uh, Kirsty McCall. In my opinion, it's the best Christmas song ever. Just like Die Hard is the best Christmas movie ever. <laughs> nice. But there it's a it's male female duet and the female part says you took my dreams from me when I first found you. The male replies, I kept them with me babe. I put them with my own. Can't make it all alone. I built my dreams around you. Yeah, and this is a tricky thing, you know, in a relationship because you know, I, I know with myself and my wife, there was a lot of adjustment because we come from very different backgrounds. We've got very different goals. My wife wants to, you know, move on up in the, you know, in the school district and, you know, try to get to more of like an administrative role and those kind of things. And that just sounds like the worst freaking thing in the world to me. And I'm sure that what I'm going for, like the entrepreneurial uncertainty and all those kind of things, that sounds horrible for her. And mm -hmm. It's. It took a lot of time to really be able to, I, I won't say see it from the other person's perspective, but get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm at peace that they're, they're going for this thing and it's not going to screw up everything for me. So when my ex-wife and I first met, our goals were the same. We wanted to be doctors. Right. And when that changed. Yeah. As we've stated several times, this podcast started as my story of my journey into development. It's become more as Will tells his story along the way, more through flashback. Yeah, so say shrouded in the mists of time. <laughs> uh, 
now it's about our journey as developers and our journey to help others along in their journey. Yeah, and and our journey to become more than just developers, honestly. Right. So no matter where your story began or where it is going, you have a unique story to write. We've shared some of our stories here, and we're going to share a lot more along the way. Whether you write it down, podcast about it, or just tell a few close friends, be the author of your own story. That pretty much wraps us up before we close everything out. Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I just kind of want to add to um, some things that we touched on in this episode, and that is the power of narrative. It's not just the way you say something, but the the ideas that you excite in people when you say things. So, like, for instance, I've gone to my boss and been like, hey, we need to do, um, you know, we need to do like a component-based design and, you know, that would be cleaner. And that's what other developers have done. And they've gotten shot down because it didn't mesh with the immediate goals. Well, I've gone to management and instead of, of doing it that way, I'm like, hey, if we want to be able to scale this thing, we've got to break pieces apart. And to do that, we need to break things into components so that we are set up when you land these big deals, you know, for the end goals of the company, you know, having all this stuff broken into components will actually make that easier, makes it easier for you to scale. You're set up better so that it's not as painful of a transition for where you're very clearly going right now. When you take it to management that way, acknowledging their goals, not your goals, it makes it a lot easier to get things through. Um, it also serves as a check, as kind of a uh, you know reality check on the things that you're trying to do to go, okay, is this a good idea? It, you know, If you can get to the point where you have goals that are aligned with the goals of management and you can express that, you can wield a great deal of power in an office environment that a lot of people don't seem to really grasp because they don't understand the narrative story. And that's why we've been pushing this so much, because I think developers really, really suck at this, just frankly. So pay attention to that, get their story from them, and then use that story to get things done. And that's all I got. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Look for us each week on Facebook Live before we record each episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.